You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. This is episode 722 of the Dressage Radio Show, official podcast of the United States Dressage Federation on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products and the Murdoch Method. On the show today, we're talking to Ohio dressage trainer, Carrie McFadden, who has made a successful business of finding and training horses for amateur riders. After that, Wendy Murdoch talks about hay soaking, and then Maya Mikowski is back with a trainer tip. Scoffler Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Well, hi, Phil. How are you this week? Uh, busy. Busy, busy. <laughs> yes. You know, uh, it's a move-in day at the horse show. There's a, I mean, I'm really lucky to have an international dressage show happening five minutes from my house. So cool. But I had to go to the barn this morning, so you know, and I like I like to be early, yeah. so <laughs> that that actually saved my butt today because I left for the barn at uh, a little earlier than my normal time, and then uh, you know I I barely got out of the driveway and I discovered I have a flat tire, so uh, that was not the best start nope. to no the weekend <laughs> to my weekend or to the day or, or whatever it is, but uh, um. Yeah, I mean, you just you just deal with it, right? You just yep. okay. Well, I'm gonna be a little late. I'm gonna, you know, just let everybody know and and uh, and you know, problem solve. And and between Meredith and I, we we problem solved the flat tire. I took her car, and you know, blah blah blah. A lot, a lot of car changes today, but uh, <laughs> whatever. You just roll with it, right? You're trying you to get done what needs what needs to be done. You know, and then, you know, come on, come on to the uh, podcast and get that done. And yep. <laughs> and then I'm going to finish this and then go back to the horse show grounds just to do a, a late night check and, and all of that. And so, I mean, it's it's a busy life and, and you have to be able to kind of roll with it and, and stuff happens, you know, and, and tires get flat or horses go lame or throw shoes. I mean, yeah, those it are happens to everybody, doesn't it? You typical know, think, things. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, a flat tire is not you know, in the grand scheme of things, not, not that terrible. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think that was interesting. I was listening to a podcast today of, um, you know, uh, well, it was, it was last week and I was talking about, you know, being envious of someone and, and, or, and or jealous of someone. And they were saying, actually, you know, social media, you get such a small view of what actually happened <laughs> and it's a targeted view, right? It's a very targeted view of what's going on. And, and when you look out and that's what they were saying is you need to expand your view. And when you get to know someone a little bit more, um, you know, you and I laugh about that kind of stuff all the time. And, uh, sometimes you don't see that on social media or you don't know that that happened. And it happens to everyone. And I don't care if you're a professional or an amateur writer or whoever. It's it's such a challenge. Um, life sometimes. happens. Yeah, life yeah. happens. And, you know, I just I, I just said a, a few cuss words and, and <laughs> moved on with my day. I think that's yep. the best advice I can give is just, you know, never, never give up and, and just, you know, learn to change your plans or, yep. or uh, yeah, be yep. flexible with your schedule and uh, and carry on. And how did all of uh, everybody school? 
Yeah, it was, I mean, it was, I always say hot because I, I think that's a relative term, but. Uh, oh, it's hot for you guys. Yeah, of course. It's summer. It was, for you uh, guys. Cer- yeah. Certainly very humid. We have a storm rolling in right about now. Yeah. We could get tornadoes. So, oh. um, no, I don't, I don't think there was a rider there that felt their best or, you know, were, were uh, looking their best through, you know. <laughs> through all yeah. the sweat that was happening and, and the horses yeah. but i mean you, you gotta <laughs> again just ro- roll with the punches and and make a plan for the the next day and just say okay well you know hydrate. i think yeah hydrate and in the best interest of the horses you're not going to do um you know 21 lines of of wines you, you could just do your best yeah. do it um, get a few yeah you, you, if you get a few that's fine you know we'll, uh, certain certain movements you're you're you know you go to a show but you're you're still kind of tra- training them and 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 not everything is going to be perfect and you have to accept that going to the show and yep. um yeah don't don't take it out on the horse because you know that's well not fair. i think that that's not came fair. up for me we also have a horse show um here this weekend um same also our local show um i it, 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 we only have a Saturday Sunday show. It's only a two day in the in the summer because it is it's hot and three days in the summer is too much here. But um, so everyone's been getting ready this week, and I will say that um, I went to a, a local group uh, that I I go to very frequently, and I had a couple riders I don't see all the time, and and they're coming to see me for the horse show, and a couple of them not gonna lie like aren't ready to go to the horse show or weren't ready on Wednesday and the horse show Saturday. (laughs) And I said that to him. I said, you know, Hey, um, you know, one entered, it was pretty aggressive on the entry and I, you know, she entered a first level and a second level class. And I just flat out said like, "Eh, if you can't run through the test on the Wednesday before the horse show, it's a little aggressive, a little aggressive. Maybe you want to, and I think that's important to know, you know, it, it's, you got to remember that when you go to horse shows, you really should feel comfortable with, with the test. Right. And you should really feel like it's, I think it's unconscious competence, right. That you can ride through that test and you can roll through it and you can make adjustments and, um, the horse I'm riding, um, I feel pretty comfortable. I did that did third level test three with this horse a few weeks ago in June. Um, and, and, he likes to know what's going on. It's kind of that horse. He, he gets confidence in knowing what he's supposed to do. So we've been working a lot on that and just rolling through the test. And, and I actively roll through that third three. You know, once you do your half pass, they know the flying change is coming. So I do change it up a little bit. Um, but I, I like that feeling that when you go to that horse show, you feel very comfortable with your test. So do remember that. I know sometimes, you know, especially this time of year, like, oh, if I can just get one more score to qualify for regionals and I can work on it. Um, I get it. I do. Uh, but mm, I do have a rule that when I enter, they, you have to be able to ride the test when you enter. And uh, certainly if the week before and, and one was a mare and it was is in heat and, you know, things could change a little bit. But um, it doesn't give you good feelings for the horse show. And and I think that's always good to remember that really a horse show is to show off what you know and what you do. And you want to be able to do that. And I think that's an, an important thing. So uh, but we will see. We I'm I'm actually just hauling into this particular horse show, uh, which is nice. I'm just showing one horse, and and he's pretty good now off the trailer. Uh, but we are going to go tomorrow. We're going to go school. I 
probably could get away with not doing that, but I'm going to sleep a little better to get him there and just make sure I check my preparation box. And, um, you know, it may just be, it's in the stadium. He's been in there before now, but we'll go and we'll, we'll go check it out so that when we go for the show on Saturday, um, again, you want to feel confident. You want to feel like you can ride. You want to feel like your horse feels really confident. Um, and I think that's important. And sometimes you have to look honestly, like, can I get this done you know, for the date of the regional finals that there's a certain cutoff per region. It's coming up soon. And I think ours is mid-August. So there's only so many tests and school and shows left, but yeah, something to think about. So, um, so we're also looking forward to it. We've got um, quite a few horses going, but at the horse park, most of my horses, we all just haul in we have a nice little trailer group and the horses are pretty good about it. So I'm looking forward to it. We're having a storm coming in too tonight. So it's supposed to be cooler for the weekend, which will be nice. So yeah, we both have horse shows, so we'll have... All right, um, yeah, good luck to you. and Yeah, uh, good luck to you guys, too. Can't wait to yeah. hear all about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we have a super show tonight. Uh, we're going to get right to it, right after this break from Kentucky Performance Products. This Nutrition Minute is brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, the company that simplifies your search for research-proven nutritional supplements at kppusa.com. Did you know that easy keepers and horses on restricted diets are often at risk for vitamin and mineral deficiencies? Most easy keepers are maintained on hay and some get a few handfuls of grain a day. And most of these horses get little to no green grass. Diets that don't include significant levels of green grass or recommended amounts of fortified concentrates just don't supply enough vitamins and minerals. Many horse folks don't realize that hay alone, even high quality green hay, is not an adequate source of many vitamins. For example, when grass is cut and dried for hay, the vitamins quickly lose their potency. 70% of the vitamin E found in grass is lost in the first week after it is cut for hay. One way to ensure that your special needs horse is getting all the vitamins and minerals he needs is to add a vitamin and mineral supplement to his diet. A well-balanced supplement will provide the nutrients your horse requires without adding unwanted calories, starches, and sugars. Microphase, made by Kentucky Performance Products, is a vitamin and trace mineral supplement that bridges the gap in your feeding program. With Microphase, your horse receives adequate and balanced vitamin and mineral nutrition without unwanted calories or other ingredients. The minerals in microphase have been chelated, a process that protects minerals during digestion and increases their absorption in the intestine. Microphase provides vitamins, such as vitamin E, in a natural form, so your horse receives optimal results from this supplement. This Nutritional Minute has been brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products. You can find all of their terrific products at kppusa.com. Well, tonight, I'm so happy to have a colleague of mine, Carrie McFadden. She's an FEI rider and trainer from the Cincinnati, Ohio area. Carrie, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Well, I'm thrilled to have you. And you and I, whenever we work courses together, it's so much fun. So I wanted you to come on the show um, because I have a lot of respect for you. We've gotten to know each other uh, over the last couple of years. And um, one of the things that you do beautifully is develop horses for your clients or for the adult amateur market. And 
we wanted to talk about it. I wanted to bring you on to, to talk specifically about that. So um, that was a long intro, but first of all, can you tell us a little That's bit okay. about yourself? Sure. Um, so I've been um, live in Ohio. Um, I'm in the Lebanon area, so I'm a, a kind of between Cincinnati and Dayton. Um, and I am here year-round. I have a, a place in Aiken, so I go to Aiken in the wintertime. And I have, you know, a small training business. I try to not have too many things in the day because we all have family and friends and, you know, other household responsibilities. So I try to keep um, my training program reasonably small so that I can kind of get to everything and have some sort of balance. It's kind of a joke sometimes, but we try. (laughs) So, yeah, so I do, you know, some writing and then I I typically have um, clients that I try to have them ride their own horses as much as possible. Um, but I'll, oftentimes I'll do the initial training or I'll help them find a horse or I'll, I'll have a horse, ride it for a while and then sell it to them because of the, I, I don't know, I guess this is the type of horses that I think are appropriate for adult amateurs, I think are oftentimes overlooked by trainers. Um, and, and I, it, Maybe it developed initially um, just out of uh, a necessity. I, I rode horses that I could ride, that I could afford. And so, you know, I always look for a good temperament and straight legs. My husband is an equine vet. So, you know, that all of that kind of stuff matters. And anytime you do training, um, you want to definitely be able to not devalue your training by some medical finding, you know, in a pre-purchase exam. Um, so I guess I um, have... I've, I've done it. We tried to make a list at one point, how many times I'd done it with different horses. Um, and we lost track. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I always have like a couple that are going and some I keep and some, I kind of let the horse dictate what, you know, what's the right thing for the horse. And then eventually it gets sold to the adult amateur market. Is that a long explanation or what? <laughs> no, it's perfect. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that. There needs to be a lot more people like you out there who are. It sounds like you're you're not developing um, a lot of the horses for yourself, but yeah, at least you know at least there's a, you know there's a market for for those you know safe amateur horses that maybe aren't the the fanciest horses because everybody wants to do you know uh, all the professionals exactly want, like I, I want this fancy horse that. I'm developing for right. me and then maybe maybe I could sell it you know eventually or you know whatever and then you know then there's not someone to buy that that fancy horse because you know if if you have right. 10 maybe years into it or whatever yes it's it's a it's a valuable horse but it's not uh the value in the horse is is not as a prospect anymore you know so for and sure. Then, you know, over, I think temperament is, is yeah. the most important for that because any horse I buy that I want to put time into, I, I want it to have the capacity, you know, to have the type of temperament that could be an adult amateur horse. They oftentimes aren't when I get them. Sometimes, you know, like I have I have two, three that I own now currently. Um, one, I started as a three-year-old. I got it from a breeder. That's one that's probably going to be mine and I'm going to kind of ride through a bit. Um, I, I And I've done it different ways. You know, my family is, um, our last kid just graduated high school. We have, you know, in college. And, you know, families change, life changes. And I just kind of um, just a la carte what makes the most sense at the time in our life. And so, you know, there's times I've kept them for years. I, I wrote a, a PMU draft cross to Grand Prix 
you know, and, um, and then I sold him and then he went on to do, I don't know, 75 or a hundred Grand Prix after that. And so I had him for years, right? Like three or four years. Um, and I got him as a five-year-old. Occasionally I get him and I have him a few months and, you know, somebody comes along or this would be perfect for this client. So I always just try to make sure that the temperament of the horse is solid and they have three good basic gates. And I think that's non-negotiable for me. Um, if I get one that I feel like needs extra, like, I don't want to ride crazy. I don't want to ride. I'm like, I, I prefer a little hotter horse sometimes than, you know, a lot of times um, amateurs would want, but I think that's also trained into them. Reactions can be trained in. And so most Typically, you know, amateurs like geldings. I oftentimes, you know, kind of go that direction. Sometimes I have mares. But a lot of it is about, you know, just trying to create a product that I'd want to be shopping for as a trainer. Because when I go look to look for that for clients, like it's really hard to find anything that's ridden well as, uh, you know, in their basic training. And for me, I feel like if the horse doesn't learn to balance when it's young or when it's newly introduced into the sport, because sometimes they're not three or four, sometimes they're five or six or a horse I have now, I bought him when he was seven and he, he didn't know anything. But I feel like if they don't learn to balance when they're young within their body, you chase that the rest of their life. And a horse that felt that balance at a young age, even if I have clients after, you know, I turn them loose and we're doing lessons and whatever, and maybe they need some help. If it's a horse that was ridden well when it was younger, it's easier to retrieve. You know what I mean? It won't take, it's not like the horse never understood that. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think you do a a great job with that, finding that young horse, because the young mare that you have, she will be a really lovely amateur horse right now. She's not so much. I mean, <laughs> you keep saying right. she's your heart horse and, and I think she is, but she also, you know, she loads on a trailer. She I've seen her in multiple different locations and she's mm-hmm. such a lady, you know, the behaviors mm-hmm. there. Um, it, right. You know, I, well, think, I think that's the whole part of the package. I mean, I, I right. train them to self load on the trailer. They go to, you know, I don't, I'm not, I, I, when I was younger, I went to way more horse shows. I'm not as interested in that anymore. I still go. We do it. We have fun. But it's not as much my focus, more of the training and all of the background stuff. I want to make a solid citizen that has a really good skill set to offer to, you know, a little lady that's going to buy them and give them cookies and brush them and, you know what I mean, do all of sure. the fun little cute stuff that they deserve. And I feel like, you know, if you put the right time and energy into some of those horses and I'm not even breed specific, I mean, I, I've had a multiple of like lots of different types of breeds right now. Everything I have is a warm blood, but that's definitely not always been the case. You know, oftentimes I've had things that are crosses or odd crosses and they've gone on to wonderful homes and I really enjoy, you know, the last horse I was at the Pony Cup a few weeks ago and there were two horses that I got to see that I had sold to their owners and they absolutely adore them and I get to see them and watch them, you know, enjoy that. And for me, that's very fulfilling yeah. to be well, able to yeah, be a was, part of that. And it's a yeah. service to the horse and to the people, I feel. Yes, yes. Yeah, I think that, you know, if you're if you have a horse and that, you know, you're selling to your own client, it's going to be in your own barn. It, it, the the sale has to make you feel, you know, make you feel good about it, you know, and, and uh, you know, a lot of there's a lot of trainers out there who like bring in horses and 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 turn them around and sell them. And there's not a lot not, yeah. of uh, integrity in in sales. Yeah. Barns or or, or that absolutely, or they can be that way. Not always, but it it definitely can be a factor. 
Um, and I'm an open book. Like I want people like people and they'll, call, you know, when I post something or put something out for sale and I'm kind of think that the horse is getting ready, they'll ask for something and I'll send them videos of every, I, I want the buyer to have as much possible information because I want it to be a good fit for them too. I'm an open book. Like I'll show them everything, but I also am putting out a product that I'm pretty solid about. You know, there's not like, well, it does this when it goes that way. So I'm going to kind of downplay that. I just don't do that. I can't. It's not in my nature. Like I'm a right. really honest person. I tell you too much probably, right. but that way at least everybody knows. And then, you know, the horse benefits from it, the riders benefit from it and everybody's on the same page and, and it's fulfilling. I, I do. And I do enjoy it. I love bringing them along and finding what I feel like is the right match for some and some of them, you know, I'm like, I'm not quite ready for this one yet. I'm going to keep it for a while. And so I just keep going. And um, so sometimes I get, you know, the horse into the FEI ring. And sometimes I've, you know, I've, honestly, I've, it, it's been a way for me to, you know, help pay for some college expenses for my kids and that kind of stuff. So it does yeah. fluctuate a little bit with our life, I think, as it should. Yeah, I think you're right. And, so. and I think, you know, it's interesting um, I want to talk a little bit about pricing of these horses, right? I, and, and, and not specifically your horses, but you know, I've once heard that the best investment you could make is a pre-St. George horse because somebody okay. like yourself or me or Philip or who, uh, whatever have, have put the time in. And, and I, I think that's important to say because, right. um, this is not cheap for you, me or Phil. Like it, it it's, it, no. it, it is expensive, you know? And, right. and of course it's a business, but can you talk a little bit about that? Cause I think mm -hmm, that's important to remember. I think people are like, Oh, horses are so expensive. Right. Well, <laughs> when you do some math. Exactly. And do you know why? Yeah. Like I say to my clients all the time, upper level horses do not make themselves. Like somebody did that. And if it's not you or me helping you do it and me, you know, supporting you through that, um, then somebody has had to spend all of the time. And then our own education is expensive. And I don't ever want to stop learning. I spend way more money on lessons and clinics than I ever that I have on showing in recent years because, you know, you have that, you have your own expenses of caring for the horse, you know, and I just... It, it, it is expensive. Somebody has had to put all of that in there. And, and that's why like the ones that are super nice and they've been trained well, my clients typically can't afford them Yeah, <laughs> because right. that's a six figure horse as a young horse. You know what I mean? Like it's mm -hmm. just such an expensive, but they know what they have because it's been ridden well. It understands it's in a, you know, the shape, the balance, all of it is so good. Oh, and by the way, the temperament, it's gorgeous, all those things. But like that, that is a product that, you know, is available. But I think, you know, I don't, and those aren't the ones I go after because that's not the normal market. Like that's not the mid range yeah. market where people are mostly buying. Um, but I think too, yeah, like I, and I, I train all of them with the idea for Grand Prix, you know, like I just, and, and that doesn't mean, you know, so if it's learning, you know, changes, I'm typically already training half steps because I find sometimes people too, they get so stuck on like, I want to do third level. I want to do pre-St. George. And you're not kind of inputting those little, you know, just all of that important stuff about like, it's not the young horses classes where they move big and huge. Like that doesn't really help you later. Right. <laughs> you know, they have well, to develop, you know, the idea of carrying power and collection and all of that kind of stuff. And so if you have that in your mind as you're going, I think you can kind of sort through and figure out what's the best scenario for some of those horses. And, but the ones that are super nice and they've been trying well, they should be expensive in my opinion. Yeah. Because yeah. you're buying a product that is a quality product. 
Well, and I love what you said. I mean, I think that's, you know, it's, it's tough when you've trained, you know, all of us on this call have trained several horses to the Grand Prix area and zone and Grand Prix. So once you sort of, and that's again, what you're paying for, like we've trained horses. So when we say, Hey, you know, do this downward transition like that and put this in, it's because we have done it. And we know that that horse carrying its hind legs and getting quick behind or doing half steps, right? How important that is at the end of the day. The the, the way that I've also Mm -hmm. kind of look at that, you know, and look at these issues is, you know, I've been down the road of making mistakes and mm-hmm. so, you know, mm-hmm. you know. When, when I train <laughs> yes. the next horse, I'm not going to make that yeah. mistake. And then maybe that's what you're paying for. I mean, yeah. there's, exactly. there's a million different yeah. perspectives, but. I just want to put my, uh, I would like to like personally apologize to all my old horses, right? you Me know, because <laughs> as sorry. you learn better, you know, you do better. And I, I, but that's part of it. Like that's part of the learning and the growth process. And I don't think we ever should stop learning or growing in terms of this, because there's always like there's always more to learn. You think, you know, and then you look, look behind the curtain and there's some, you know, some magical thing that happens and you're like, Oh my goodness, I had no idea. So I, I just, I still get, you know, kind of surprised sometimes when horses offer like amazing things like that. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that's what makes our job fun. And, and I, think- I think it's different. And I think it's obvious when you have like a training level horse and I don't, I don't mean this in a negative way, but you have a training level horse that's being ridden by a training level educated rider. And then you have a training level horse that's being ridden by a rider that's ridden through quite a few more levels. And they have this, you know, just volume of experience that they're drawing on that automatically shapes you and the horses are ridden differently. And and I think when I was, you know, way younger, I didn't understand that. I'm like, how in the world they just bought the whatever, but they also have the experience to know some of the mistakes they'd made and how they would do it differently or not. And you just can't have that without going through that. Like nothing teaches you like experience does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think so that's a, uh, uh, the perfect way to, to say what I was trying to say, but uh, just kind of in a, in a more polished way. That's, yeah, that's so true. And you don't know until you until you've done it, until you've you know been through it and you've made mistakes. And ugh. and it's okay to not know. And it's okay to say you don't know. And I yeah. think that is very like almost taboo at times. Like everybody wants to have an answer for everything. And it's like I it's okay. I want to be softly puzzled by something because that's going to push me to figure it out. That's going to push me to look for an answer. And I'm not. I'm not, you know me, Reese, I'm not, I don't care. Like I, if I do something wrong, like I'll make fun of myself. Like I get it. Everybody does stuff that isn't right. And so when I'm teaching too, I'm always trying to say, look, I'm telling you this because this is how I talk to myself when I'm up there. You know, like we're all in the same, you know, a really great rider still loses balance. And, you know, just like a, a training level or like a young, like a, a, a rider that doesn't have as much experience. I don't mean to dog on any training level riders. That's wonderful. That's how everybody starts. But it just really, I don't know. I just think that's, I lost my train of thought. Yeah, I no, I think about. it's, I think I, I, I completely agree, you know, and that's part of this. And that's part of why, you know, when you're a trainer, sometimes I think people are like, oh, you know, sometimes a trainer looks at something and may, maybe they don't know, you don't know why, you know, it's like when we go horse right. shopping, you know, I send it out to all my friends. I'm like, okay this is the horse I like. I'm going to send it out. You know, and I have uh, several people that, you know, Phil, Phil gets every video I see of every horse and, and I want his (laughs) opinion. And sometimes I don't like his opinion and I'm like, whatever, but it's still valid. (laughs) But right. 
he's looking after me and he has his own perspective of what he likes and what he doesn't, you know, at, at all mm-hmm. levels. And I really listen to him at young horses because he has more knowledge mm-hmm. than I do really. And so mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. it's important, right? We as trainers, everybody on this call, right? We, we use each other and we learn and we listen and that is part of this. And so when you pick a horse out of a field, you may look at that person and be like, you're crazy. <laughs> like, when right. I, I picked Oh, I've gotten that a lot, Mike. trust me. <laughs> yeah, you're like, but, but there's a feeling you get, what? you know? And I, I looked uh-huh. at Big Mike when he was a gangly, yucky looking four-year-old. And I was like, he's going to be a star. And even my mother was like, what? You bought that? Like, seriously, that one? I'm like, oh, it's going to be a star. You wait. And now he's- This way. He's beautiful. And you look at the horse. I love that. And I love rooting for an underdog. I love it if people are like, what are you doing? I'm like, you just wait and watch. It'll be fine. Just wait, you know. And I take horses that don't, you know, and then it's like, oh, my gosh, that that's now happening like that. I I love that. I love I love taking something and making it more beautiful, more useful, have more utility, have more you know function, more satisfaction. The horse gets proud of himself. Like you get to be a part of that. And you know, we had four kids between the two of us, and so you know that was a big part of you know my life growing up was like nurturing those kids and teaching them you know life skills and all that kind of stuff, and watching them with their successes and their failures, and just trying to help support them and guide them. And it's very similar with the with the horses. It's just they have four legs instead of two. Yeah. <laughs> and they can't true. actually talk, but I can see something, right? This horse, you know, or they just have such a great temperament. And, you know, like that could be something really neat. So, yeah. Yeah, I love it. Well, Carrie, I think you're inspiring to everybody. And I think, you know, the way you pick your horses and the way you methodically go through and you have a plan and you have, you know, support when you need it and and bouncing ideas and that kind of stuff. I think it's it's really awesome. So um, I'm so thankful you got to spend some time with us tonight. And um, if our listeners... Yeah, I know. I told you it'd be fun. <laughs> I told you we just talk about horses on, on, on the podcast. I love it. Well, Carrie, how can our listeners find you online if they have any questions? Um, the best way is probably Facebook. Uh, I you know don't really keep the website up anymore. I just found it was a little bit of wasted energy. So um, I'm on Facebook, um, and that's probably the, the, simplest, the simplest way because my contact information is on there. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for your time. That was super oh, fun. You're very welcome. It's nice to meet you guys. Especially with performance horses, flies can really be a nuisance. Fly predators are a great investment of all the different poisons and insecticides and different things you could use. I don't know of anything that is more economical and more effective than Spalding fly predators. Well, tonight we are so excited to have our favorite monthly guest, Wendy Murdoch, on the show. Hi, Wendy. How are you? I'm great. How are you? (laughs) Where in the world are you today? Oh, it's so surprising. I am home. What? Oh, oh, that's rare. That's really rare. Yeah, it and is. I bet you're working rare. in your beautiful garden. You have the most beautiful garden. I because I follow you on Facebook and I watch your flowers, and I'm like, how does she do that? It's amazing. Yeah, well, actually, it's true. I've sp- now that I'm home, I actually just just spend time in my garden, and I really love it. And it's it's going through a a big change because I had to move so many beds, but. It's and it was so dry, but it's doing really well. And and um, echinacea is beautiful. And oh, so yeah, so I, I feel like I'll, I might catch up this year. <laughs> I know I love it. Well, so Wendy, actually, we're kind of you know we're in the dog days of summer, and there are so many people in the country that are dealing with uh, no offense, Philip, Canadian wildfire smoke. 
uh, is is real <laughs> and <laughs> humid temperatures t- today here. It was so humid. Um, it felt like it was going to rain all day. And we wanted to talk about the benefits of uh, soaking hay because it's a real thing right now. It's really needed some, and for sure here. So yeah, it's so interesting that so many articles have come across my feed lately about the importance of soaking hay in these kind of climates. And so the thing that people need to realize is soaking hay can be really helpful in the smoke situations, uh, in the high heat humidity. And, you know, sometimes horses just don't drink enough, right? Or they can't drink enough. And so by soaking your hay, you actually really improve hydration. I have, uh, Sharon White is a top event rider and she has been soaking hay for her five horses using the hay soaker now for over a year. And I just had a dressage barn that had one soaker and they came back and bought a second one because they love it so much and they want to be able to do that. It's so efficient that they're, that they want to do it. It's, um, it's up in Massachusetts, Iron Horse Farm. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, that. but the thing that's really important right now is with all this smoke and everything, high temperatures and heat, making sure your horses are well hydrated is really important. And that's where soaking hay can be so beneficial. And of course, you know, everybody goes, what's the difference between steaming and soaking? Well, soaking is actually soaking. Steaming dampens the hay. It's great for allergies. You know, it's a, it's a different function than soaking. And with soaking, I think it's like 30% increase in, in um, absorption of water you know, like it gets the sugars out. So if you have your insulin resistant horse, your, you know, your, your compromised horse, metabolic horse, you you get the sugars out, but at the same time, you're getting the hydration in. And I think that's where it's so valuable. You know, it's, um, and really you only have to soak for 30 to 60 minutes. People are like, there are research studies talking about how the effluent from soaking hay is bad, but that was in a 24-hour soak, and nobody soaks their hay for 24 no. hours. You're fermenting it at that point. Yeah, so, and it gets gross anyways. I was just going to say, yeah. it's nasty. Yeah, yeah right. And um, I saw another one that talked about soaking for three hours. Really, you only need to soak between 30 and 60 minutes, um, you know, and so that'll do the trick. And, of course, with the hay soaker, it's so easy because the timer, you just load it, set it up hit the button. It's automatically pre-programmed. It fills, soaks, and drains where you just walk in, you feed the hay. You know, it's it's kind of a product that I've had that's been kind of like low on the radar because I've been so busy with the whole rider and Surefoot and everything else. But, you know, if it's suddenly come to the forefront because of the weather conditions that we're dealing with right now. Yeah. And it's super easy. Once you get it set up and going, and Wendy's amazing at doing that, because let's be real, everybody, <laughs> I'm not technology, like, uh, I'm Sorry, not yeah, very you're, you're technology. You're a little, little bit of a technophobe. Yeah, I am. Yes. I'm really weird. I, have, I Once I know how to use it, I'll use it, and I'm, I'm great with it. But it, yeah, and so Wendy came in and set it up, and it's delightful. It's so easy, because we have one that we soak for, and it's great. So, Wendy, Tell us, you know, a little bit about the product because I like the basket and it's it's designed that it's just enough to feed. Like, it's really good. Tell us a little bit about that. So the, the product, it's called the hay soaker and it's a tub that holds, you know, it depends on the, on the, how densely packed the flakes are, but anywhere from like four to five flakes of hay. And the reason being, actually, I didn't design the product. I um, met the woman who designed it and, sh- and she had family and everything. So she let it 
die, basically. And then yeah. I found out about it and I picked it up. And then, of course, my husband redesigned it so that it was even better. Um, but they did build one to hold a whole bale of hay and you couldn't it, you couldn't use it. It was just too big. Yeah. So like with this barn, they've just bought a second one. So you you basically you load the hay in and you either have a basket or you can use a hay net. And if you use a hay net, we have a rack that goes in the bottom. And the, the really cool thing about this is it doesn't require any electricity other than the batteries to run the timer. So it's, you know, you can take it, it's on wheels, you can take your shows. So if you're going to a show and you, you want to make sure your horse is getting sufficient hydration, you can just, you know, pop it in the trailer, set it up. It just runs on a hydrant. Um, and then the timer is my favorite thing because yes. you can, you can program it to like start at six o'clock, soak for an hour and drain it 703. And then you walk in and it's all done. It's like having another person in your barn. And literally that's what they tell us that our customers tell us. It's like having another person in the barn because you don't have to watch it. You don't have to, you know, manage it. You don't have to lift heavy out of a, you know, a muck bucket, trying to lift the hay out of a muck bucket because it's drained. And when it drains, because it's working with water pressure, it's like a suction. The, the hay is really well drained. It's not soggy and drippy like you know so many when you soak yeah, it in yeah, the yeah. that's what i was i was gonna say is you know normally mm-hmm. you're you're soaking hay and you're just making a big mess you know yeah no that's the beauty of this thing it has a 21 foot drain hose so you can either drain it into your wash rack or drain it out to your garden and what are your gardens so you're not wasting the water the you know um the water's fine because it's just soaked hay and anything in that hay is what you're feeding to your horse anyway so right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's so you know? true. Yeah, no, it's a great product as always. You know, Wendy, you come up with the best products um, because you're a horse person and you're a horsewoman and you've been in every barn and you know how it works. And I think it's really, really helpful. And so I think it's a great idea, especially in this type of weather. And no offense, Phil, you can keep your smoke. Smoke. In oh Canada. My yeah, it's really bad. <laughs> it's probably it's, way worse in Canada. We're it's not bad today. We, we were getting it the other day and today's not so bad. And um, yeah, so, but it's been, it's just between the heat and the smoke, you know, across the country, the weather's been really horrendous. So, right. Um, right. Yeah. Exactly. It, yeah. It's been tough. Well, Wendy, as always, you're amazing. Can you tell yeah. us, has the safari filled up? Because I'm, I'm wondering oh, if yeah. it's still my spot. Oh. Yep. We're, we're going on safari. We're leaving in September. Uh, it's full, but there's talk about doing one next year in 2024. So if anybody missed it for this one, uh, stay tuned. I'm working on on setting up a system to make it really easy for people to t- sign up for early interest and let them know what the deal is and everything else. So, And I'm working on dates. I don't have dates yet, but I'm working on that. So if okay. in the meantime, if anybody's interested in going on Safari, just send me an email at wendy at wendymurdoch.com. That's W-E-N-D-Y at W-E-N-D-Y-M-U-R-D-O. CH.com and put Safari in the subject, and I will um, have you on the early interest list. And I will get things. I'm working on it right now. I'm working on a bunch of things right now, but anyway. I love yeah. it. I love it. Well, if you see Reese at Horse Radio Network, Safari exclamation point for four lines. That's yeah. me. <laughs> Well, as always, Wendy, we love it when you come on. Thank you so much for all you do and for your great ideas. And, and also, this is a really good one. Uh, tips and, for people with yep, their and horses. Just, 
everybody, if you want to look at, uh, we have a website for thehaysoaker.com, that T-H-E-H-A-Y-S-O-A-K-E-R.com. And you can also find it on the shop at the Murdoch Method. You can find out more about the Hay Soaker. And we do have videos. We do have a Facebook page, Soak Hay on Facebook. So you can go check it out um, if you have any questions. And, you know, like I said, we have video of how it works. Uh and, and the people that have them just absolutely love them. And so, you know, just think about that for the healthier horse. Love it. Thank you so much, Wendy, as always. Thanks. Talk to you soon. Even under the best circumstances, travel is stressful for horses. We've all been there, stuck on the side of the road in the middle of nowhere. You can make the journey knowing that U.S. Rider is there for you. Get peace of mind on the road with U.S. Rider's nationwide 24-7 roadside assistance coverage for both you and your horse. Join today at usrider.org. Well, for this week's trainer tip, we have Canadian dressage athlete Maya Markowski on the line. Maya, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for having me. How are you guys? We're great. So what is your trainer tip for this week for our group? My trainer tip would be, and I'm always telling this to my students, is to never get bored training the basics. The basics for any horse and rider combination are so important, no matter what level you're working on. Every horse and rider's journey is different. There's no set timeline, but I do find that constantly focusing on the basics really helps riders develop their horses properly. You know, a lot of movements, even if you're in the Grand Prix, are demonstrating a lot of the basics, just in a higher degree of balance and a higher degree of collection. I love training the basics. I do lots of transitions and straightness work and constantly getting creative with exercises for that to really strengthen the horse. And I always go back to those. If I'm finding a movement is challenging for a horse or for one of my students, it's not generally the movement I find that's the challenge. It's just something that's missing in the basics. So I always go and revisit, you know, the rhythm and the straightness. So for me, that's a a really important uh, tip that I uh, keep in mind, even training my own horses. Yeah. yeah, I think, no, I think. Uh, if, if you don't like writing the basics, then <laughs> you're not going to, you're not going to, you know, get better uh, at writing, no. like the tricks. I, I call them the tricks, you know, yeah. it's, it's, you know, flying chips, like everybody loves training, like doing the, the, the tricks. But I think it takes, you know, kind of five days of, of doing basic work to every day, you know, that that's the ratio I kind of think of I'm in my own horses, you know, four days of doing the basics and one day of, of training tricks or riding tests or whatever, you know, like mm-hmm. the fun stuff. Um, because if you're missing basics, the, the rest of the rest of the, the things are just not going to work. No. Yeah. And then you just keep kind of hitting the wall, trying to make that flying lead change happen when, you know, it could just be something as like the rhythm's not there, you know, the horse is taking over or, and then you just keep repeating and repeating and it just gets more frustrating. So I think it's it's really important to go back to that and just revisit those uh, you know, for everybody. Yeah. Well, and Maya, one of the things that I also do is I work with a lot of eventers and show jumpers. So I flat a lot of mm-hmm. show jumpers now too. And truly at the end of the day, that's my job, right? Like they're going to mm-hmm. go on the weekend and they need to go as fast as they can and turn as fast as they can and jump as high as they can. But 
My job is to work on the fact that like, can they turn left pretty easily? <laughs> you know, yeah. same with my event horses, uh-huh. right? Can they turn left and stay relaxed and stay supple? And so I don't really care what sport horse discipline you're in. You're going to have to work on basics. And yeah. I think you, you got to own that and know, and not just be like, Oh, I'm working on basics. Yeah. You know how many transitions we all do on our upper level horses? You're going to get your, but what you need to think of instead of being like, Oh my God, I have to do transitions is like, I can make that transition a little better. I can make it a little faster because I'm going to need that transition for my Piaf to Passage transition. Like that's where I'm. And I've got a big guy right now. I'm struggling a little with the Piaf Passage transition. You know what we're doing? We're out on a hill and we're doing it on the hill. And Big Mike sees mm-hmm. that hill. He's like, oh no. And I'm like, oh yeah, buddy. <laughs> That's where we are, right? We are walking that yeah. hill. We're in Kentucky. The weather's gorgeous. Oh, buddy, it's time, right? Because that is the basic question. So it's not the the movement, it's the fact that we're not pushing. So you know what I got? Yeah. I got a great hill. So I think, I think if you struggle with that as a rider, you should really kind of own this tip and and refocus your mind of, it's not just you. It is literally all of us at every discipline. You better own the mm-hmm. little details and own those transitions. So I, I love it. I think it's a, it's just a great way of reframing it. Well, and also I think for longevity, for a lot of these horses, you know, to go correctly biomechanically is really important you know, that they are using themselves properly. It makes for a much happier sounder horse in the long run as well. Yeah. A hundred percent, because that's, that is where horses are going to get unsound and they're going to have sore backs. So they're going to have whatever. Um, so if we can make these things better for them, I think it's, it's phenomenal. So I mm-hmm. love this tip. This is a great one. So Maya, how can sure. our listeners find you online if they have any more questions for you? Uh, they can find me on Facebook on Equest Dressage, Instagram, uh, also Equest Dressage, and my website is uh, equestdressage.ca, um, and then they can learn a little bit more about me on the website, see what I'm up to, meet all my horses, and they can see all my great list of sponsors, Equine, Southern Equine Distributing, AVR Saddles, Conkle Equestrian Gloves, Tapestry Comfort Girth, and Ogilvy Equestrian are all on there. I love it. Well, thanks, Maya, and good luck this summer. Thank you very much for having me. Well, as always, everyone, we love email and Facebook shout outs. If you have any questions, send them our way. But also, we love to hear about your success and uh, how your horse shows are going uh, and your maybe funny stories. Phil's tire was not funny, but definitely. I mean, uh, yeah, in, in retrospect, it will be <laughs> now next, it's funny. Next of. week, next week, probably when yeah, when next week it'll sorted be funny. out. And yeah, I mean, uh, just keep going, guys. Just keep going. Keep your chin up. <laughs> well, we love it. Well, as always, you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our page at horseradionetwork.com. Search Dressage Radio Show. Like us on Facebook. Just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com. And my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. I think the best way to find me is probably through Facebook or my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors for allowing us to put on a good show. That's Kentucky Performance Products and the Murdoch Method. If you'd like to support our show and the Horse Radio Network, you can do that through the auditor program found at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody keep your heels down and your shoulders back and we will talk to you in a couple of weeks. (laughs) 